0: Welcome to the Horobabble Originals Podcast. The King of Gorse by Paul Draper I was trying to help. Now I might never sleep properly again. I'd spoken to Kay twice— "'You build bridges where you can in rural Dorset. "'We hadn't swapped more than pleasantries, "'but I gained the impression of a conflicted character "'beneath her dreadlocks and earth-mother tattoos. "'She lived with her daughter in a pretty ivy-clad studio, "'which nestled by the side of the main lane, "'between my cottage and the post office. "'We were at the north end of the village, "'and beyond our cottages the road snaked away uphill.' enclosed by dark, gorse lined heathland. During the week, Kay worked in the gallery in the village centre, selling her beautiful stencil work. But that morning she was smoking in her garden, with teeth clenched, shivering. "'Morning. Everything okay?' I called through my open kitchen window. She looked for a second, then beckoned me over. She wasn't a small-talk type, and got to the point— It transpired that Rose, her four-year-old daughter, had come into her bedroom that morning, caked in mud and unable to say a word. "'Can you come and check her over, Dr. Hall?' she asked. "'I had retired from surgery practice three years before, and would have been delighted not to see another cough, sniffle, or headache till I reached the grave, but uh, bridges and all that—she showed me in. Rose was sitting in the colourful lounge, watching a wacky cartoon on a little TV, expressionless. The patio doors were open. Beyond, a man in a green top sat on the grass in the sunny back garden. Kay took me to one side. The front door was open, she said. This morning? Yes. She wiped her brow. Remorse etched on her face. Her dad's back. It wasn't him, though. He was in bed all night. He sleeps like the dead. I crouched by Rose. They had cleaned her up, but I checked her face and body over her clothes and could only see some minor scratches about her knees. Rose, I said, the old calm manner deployed. I'm Dr. Hall. You remember me? I live across the lane. She nodded. Do you remember what happened last night? She paused, then shook her head. I returned to Kay. She has some abrasions, but with kids, it's hard to tell where they pick up those things. Kay looked at the floor, her eyes restless. Dr. Hall, there's another thing. We left some—mushrooms by the door in the hall last night. The pack was on the floor this morning. Lighter than we left it, I think. I struggled to hide my disapproval. You think she had some? Was she sick at all? Her jaw tightened. She shook her head, but looked lost. Would you give me permission to try light hypnosis? We should be able to get an account of the night. I fetched my voice recorder from the house. We started when I returned, and she went under easily. I've transcribed the session here, just as she spoke that morning. 26th of August, 2012 10.15 a.m. Account of Rose Walker, aged four, regarding overnight period on 25th of August, 2012. Clinician, Dr. E. L. Hall, retired. Initial trance inducement, 40 seconds. Rose, can you tell me what happened last night?
1: I was awake. I wanted a drink. It was hot and I needed one. I went to the kitchen and used the water tap on the fridge. I used the ice cube thing when Mum lets me, but it's loud, so I didn't.
0: Did you eat anything, Rose?
1: Yes, banana and sweets.
0: Hmm. Where were they?
1: The banana was on the kitchen top, and the sweets were in the hall by the door.
0: How many sweets did you have?
1: Just one, but it tasted bad, like dirt.
0: Hmm. What happened then?
1: Went back to bed.
0: Did you... Go to sleep?
1: No, I felt a bit spinny. I shut my eyes, but didn't sleep, as it got light. Daylight? No, just light. Bright. I didn't want to wake Mummy. She had stopped crying and was asleep.
0: At this point, Kay Walker interrupts, but I ask her to wait until the end of the session. She agrees. What did you do? Went to play. Mm, Outside?
1: Yes, it was bright.
0: Tell me what happened when you went to play.
1: I opened the door and went to the garden. But there was music and it was bright. The sky wasn't bright. The ground was bright. And the air was low down, sort of. The hedges in the garden were funny and wiggly. The music came from along the road and some banging and stuff. The garden was empty and my bike was in the shed. So I went to the road and went to see where the music was.
0: How far did you go, Rose?
1: There were no cars, so I walked, and the trees were wriggly. I saw rabbits and worms and a fox. They were talking, but the worms weren't talking. They were hissing, like cats sometimes hiss. The ground was like glass, and I saw Mrs. Calloway, the old lady mum doesn't like, and she pointed up the road, so I went that way. She was smiling.
0: Kay Walker again interjects. She shouts upstairs and leaves the house. The session continues as Rose is in a good trance and lucid.
1: I left at the path where Dad used to walk Brucie when he was alive and went along the path and saw some eggs under a tree and some bundles of sticks and a horse. The horse looked backwards and funny. There was a light in the sky and it was floating over the tree at the end of the path. But then it went, but the ground was still bright. In the grass by the path were some people and they had faces like birds but some had faces a bit like, sort of, fish. They were dawdling and turning and each time one turned, the other one turned. It looked silly. The end of the path was bright but after that it was dark. Old Mrs Calloway pointed again and she was pointing towards the end of the path so I went there. She seemed smiley But her arms were shiny fuzzy. I wasn't cold at all.
0: What happened then?
1: I went to the end of the path, and the ground stopped being bright and was a sort of blue. But it was a dark blue. I was near the trees there, and the start of the hill that Brucey used to run up when he knew there was a stick Dad would throw. The field next to it was dark, and I could hear a sort of monster in that field or something, which sounded like a lot of bees. But the bees could speak, but I didn't understand the words. I didn't want to go into that field, but Mrs Calloway pointed up the hill instead, so that was good. I said, phew, the gorse bushes go up the hill and sometimes they have flowers but are spiky, so I know not to touch those.
0: You walked all the way up the hill?
1: Yes, Mrs Calloway was next to me at the bottom and she said there was a king at the top and he would like to see me and make me a princess if I was good. "'I walked up the hill. It's not far. I've been up it lots. "'As I went up, I could see stones and some holes in the ground, "'like rabbits live in, but they weren't for rabbits. "'The bushes at the top looked like a chair, "'and there was a man in the chair, and he was smiling. "'I didn't think he looked like a king, but he said he was one.'
0: "'What else happened?'
1: "'He said he was very old and made from the gorse bushes. "'He moved really slowly.' He asked if he had permission to come to the village and be the king there as well. He said it was important that I said yes, and he would not come if I didn't want him to.
0: Hmm. Is that all you remember?
1: We made friends, so I came back with him.
0: Where did he go to?
1: Into the back garden. He's there now.
0: 26th of August, 2012, a.m. Session halted. Rose curled up on the sofa and looked at the TV, and I don't think she noticed my shock. I went to the patio doors and looked out into the garden. The wooden gate was open. The man was no longer there. Returning to the hallway, Kay was nowhere to be seen. She was annoyed during the session at the mention of Mrs. Calloway, muttering something like, "'That woman,' and had sworn up the stairs before slamming the front door." A shaven-haired man in a white vest looked blearily over the banister. It was Rose's dad, an occasional dweller in the house, just rising. He came downstairs, and we had a quick introduction. He didn't seem phased at the commotion Kay had caused, and traipsed into the kitchen as I left. I returned to my cottage, and made some tea before settling into the upstairs study for some reading. The study— had a large panoramic window that took in the rolling downs and lane, so I'd be able to see when Kay returned. I mulled over the session with Rose. She seemed physically fine, which was the key thing. If she had ingested any of the mushrooms, it didn't seem to have affected her adversely, and probably accounted for her tale of the night. In fact, she may well have not gone beyond the front garden at all if she'd been tripping— the imagery she described was vivid and powerful, but there were few forces more potent than a child's imagination, let alone one exposed to a mild narcotic. Hours passed, and the warm morning evolved into a balmy afternoon. After lunch, I walked down the short hill into the village. As I strolled, I tried to recall exactly what Kay had said when she had left during the session. It was something about Mrs. Calloway, who was an elderly lady living on the main lane close to the village green. I didn't really know her. From what I had gathered on my occasional forays into the Green Man Inn, most of the villagers didn't seem to want to know her. I drew close to Mrs. Calloway's cottage. A fresh cigarette butt was on the grassy pavement, and the oak front door was open— What looked like small pine needles were scattered on the garden path. "'Mrs Calloway?' I called at the door. With no answer, I ventured into the hall, and following a murmuring sound, entered her drawing-room. The heavy curtains were half-drawn, and suddenly the bright August day seemed far away. Mrs Calloway, small and thin, with white hair and a red dress, sat at her table— Sun, moon, dandelion, gorse, she muttered, before looking up at me. Her eyes blazed. My mind seemed to lurch at her gaze, tipping forwards into an unsteady place. Ah, Mrs. Calloway, sorry to disturb you, I stammered. Her expression was triumphant, and her eyes shone like green fire. I continued. Have— "'Have you seen Kay Walker? I think she was coming to see you.' "'Sun, moon, dandelion, gorse,' she repeated, this time nearly a whisper. My head echoed with the words. I held on to the doorframe, as my sense of balance tipped sideways slightly. Her mantra continued, "'Sun, moon, dandelion, gorse—at last he is here!' The air thrummed with unheard vibrations, and I felt a yearning to be clear of this cottage. Kay had been here, but no more. Mrs. Calloway, her eyes ecstatic, rocked gently. Her tone became lower and more guttural, and she seemed like a small grey-and-green whirlpool in front of my eyes. I looked at her table— and for the first time in the shaded gloom saw a scattering of sticks and a small, lifeless bird. I hurried into the village centre. There were plenty of folks about. They walked between the small row of shops, the war memorial, and the village green, but the road was empty of cars. Every so often, I passed scattered clumps of those small plant needles. Rose sat on the green— with no adult nearby. Hello, Rose. Hello, Dr. Hall. What are you doing here? Where's your mum? She swept her hands across the grass, the blades tickling her palms. She's not coming back like she was. Or Dad, she said, before looking along the road and pointing. A tall man wandered from door to door about a hundred yards away. He wore a green tunic and it seemed to slide and convulse over his similarly green-hued skin. His hair was wild and unkempt, and his chin jutted like the prow of an old ship. He opened the door to Mr. Peterson's house, walked in, and then emerged about a minute later. He then entered the Robinsons, then Mrs. Bolton's cottage, then the hairdresser's shop. He was methodically calling at each property— and had no trouble gaining entrance. I couldn't quite make him out. His form seemed blurry and indistinct. As he exited the hairdressers, I saw some people standing inside motionless, and others lying prone. You should go, said Rose. He's seeing who will follow. He'll open the field gate for anyone left. The things in there will come to town. I went to pick Rose up, but she wriggled away. Across the street, the green figure emerged and looked directly over to where we were. He shook his blurry head and opened his mouth abnormally wide, as needles fell to the floor. "'He knows about you, Dr. Hall,' said Rose. "'He wants to see you, too.' I backed away and fled up the lane as fast as I could. I packed quickly— But before leaving, I looked out across the village from my study window. A deep, primal fear coursed through my veins. Through the village, something old stalked. I've been at my sister's now for a week. She thinks I'm under the weather, and has been very kind in giving me space. (laughs) What can I say? At night, I sleep in small flurries, and my dreams are thick with the rustling of leaves— and a sound like a thousand bees. My sister lives at the other end of the downs, and in my mind's eye I can travel across the rolling hills to the outskirts of the village, but no further. Something in me has been changed by his stare. The village is no longer under the dominion of people, I can tell from old whispers in my sleeping hours. My dreams tell of the clicking of crickets— and the creak of lonely ash and beech, the brush of wind across the bluebell meadows, and the soft clawing of the badgers deep in their sets. Starlings know, wheeling high in packs in the summer air. The King is back. Hello, ladies and gents. Ian here.